Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest on the Goodyear Hotline. We're busy today. We got rookie debuts. We've got fields of dreams and dreams of fields. The Boogerman is going to stop by and plenty of time for your hot takes. All that and more time to start the party. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. All right, the only place to start, and we just spent two hours talking about it on TV, will be my Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We got five rookie quarterbacks in the NFL making their preseason debuts, and I got five takes for you on each of them here. I'll give them to you in order. Uh, and let's get this thing started. Can we turn my machine on, please, fellas, so I can hit this? Number five. Number five is Trey Lance. Trey Lance is going to be sensational, but Trey Lance is not ready. Trey Lance is the least ready of the quarterbacks who were drafted this year to be a starter, and that is not a criticism. It is a mere acknowledgement of his circumstance. I want to remind everyone that not only did he go to a small school in North Dakota State, but he went to a small school that didn't play last year. He has thrown fewer passes coming in than any other first-round quarterback ever, and he threw them at the Division Three level uh, for North Dakota State. They didn't have a season last year. They didn't play a season last year. His school created a one-game showcase for him. So it is not criticizing Trey Lance, who's going to be special. If, if I told you right now, if you said to me, Trey Lance is going to wind up being the best of all the quarterbacks drafted this year, you would get no argument from me. He may wind up being that. But he's going to take the longest to get there. And by that, I mean Mac Jones could start week one. I believe he'll be ready. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going to start week one. Justin Fields looks eminently ready to start week one. Trey Lance does not, and that's okay. They traded two first-round picks to go up, three first-round picks to go up and get him because he's going to be a star for 15 years. Don't rush it. Trey Lance is spectacular, but he is not ready. Number four. Number four is Jacksonville. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence killed. They need to be real careful. I thought Mike Tannenbaum made this point well with us on Get Up Today. Urban Meyer has never had a bad offensive line. If there's one thing that college coaches from top-level programs don't know anything about, it's how you coach with a bad offensive line. Urban Meyer has always had five studs on his offensive line. He's going to have three linemen drafted every single year, Florida, Ohio State. His offensive line is always great, always giving him the freedom to do anything he wants. So one of the most significant transitions, I would think, of being the the coach of, of an NFL team for him, especially a terrible one. They were 1-15 for a reason last year. Is he's going to have to figure out how to coach with a rookie quarterback who he needs to develop and keep safe and a bad offensive line. Their tackles are not going to hold up. So whatever it is they need to do, even if that means starting the season with Gardner Minshew, as crazy as that may sound, the Jaguars allowed 44 sacks last season. Trevor Lawrence got sacked 43 times in his entire career at Clemson. You cannot put him in this position. Look what happened to Joe Burrow last year. He's standing back there behind a bad offensive line, and he's a tough kid, and so he wants to do it, and he's throwing the ball all over the place. And the next thing you know, he's leaving the the stadium in an ambulance. And you do not want to see that happen to Trevor Lawrence. So my biggest concern right now in Jacksonville, they're going to get that kid killed. It is on Urban. No one else. It is on Urban to design a situation that he will be saved. Number three. Number three is Mac Jones, who is going to be the starter in New England sooner rather than later. 
I think they will keep Cam out there for week one, although I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. The most obvious juncture to make a big change, I think, would be following the Brady game. You can almost divide the Patriots season into what happens before the Brady game and after the Brady game. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I know we think of Bill Belichick as an automaton, but week four, Bill, uh, Tom Brady is coming to New England to play on a Sunday night game, and that is going to be the most hyped NFL regular season game, quite possibly of all time. So I, I think that could be a moment in time to be looking to make a change, and it might not be because Cam Newton is struggling. I really hope things go well for Cam. But everything I saw Thursday night, I wasn't here Friday to comment on it. Everything I saw Thursday night suggested to me, Mac Jones is ready right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starter week one. At least I wouldn't be stunned. But I think he'll be the starter sooner rather than later. I think in the first half of the season for certain. Number two. Number two is the one everyone came away talking about. Justin Fields is the most exciting player to come to Chicago since Derrick Rose. I'm not going to go nuts on Michael Jordan. I hear these people saying, oh, he's the best thing to happen to us since Jordan. Let's not forget what Derrick Rose was when he came into the sport. But I do not believe they will start him week one. I don't think they're going to do it. I think they have a plan, and I think they're going to stick to it. And you know, there's a part of me that thinks that's okay. As as much fun as Justin Fields is, he's going to play this year. There's no question of that. But the one thing I'll say about making the move to Justin Fields is it's kind of the move you can't unmake. If you go to, whenever you go to Justin Fields, he becomes your quarterback now forever. And if you want to have a chance to see what you can do with Andy Dalton, if you want to give Fields a little bit of time to sit and think, then I think the time to do that is at the beginning. Because you can't do it in the middle or at the end. You can't go from Fields to Dalton. There's no reason, barring the kind of terrible play that you just you don't even want to start talking about. I actually understand the logic of giving Dalton the start at the beginning of the season. See how it goes. See if you win a couple of games. The schedule is brutal. The division has Aaron Rodgers in it again, so it's out of reach. You have time to play with here. Everything you do in Chicago has to be in the long-term best interest of Justin Fields. If that means not starting in week one, that's okay with me. Number one. And then number one. Zach Wilson is my new favorite person in the world. I love Zach Wilson in a way that I, I don't even really know how to describe. Now, if, if you know anything about me, you know that I have been a, a fan of the New York Jets since before I was born. I come by it honestly. My parents were season ticket holders before I was born. It has been my li- part of my life, all of my life. And I've fallen in love a lot of times. And, and you know that I was against the idea of giving up on Sam Darnold. But the time has come to turn the page. And the first pass Zach Wilson threw the other night, we sat down, Stevie and I, we sit on the couch, and Zach will they, 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 the Jets get the ball second. They, they kick off to the Giants, they three and out with Mike Glennon at the quarterback, and then they kick that, punt it back to the Jets. First play is a handoff. Second play, second down, second play of the Zach Wilson era. He drops back, and he zips a ball up the left sideline to Corey Davis. And the ball got there so fast, the camera couldn't move fast enough. The camera didn't get there. Did you? Were you watching this, Hembo? I did, I did see the replay. Yes. The, the Jets. The Jets replay guys aren't used to this. Kind of thing. You can't. No one has ever seen a person throw the ball that hard wearing a Jet <laughs> uniform. Maybe any uniform. So they talk about this magical arm talent. Look, I'll raise my hand. I admit it. I never saw BYU play last year. I didn't know the Jets were going to take this kid. So I watched some video and all that kind of stuff. Magical arm talent. The very first pass he threw, I said, "Oh, I see it now." 
This kid, that ball got there so fast, the camera couldn't move fast enough. And in that moment, I said, I'm in love. It's it's, it's a new relationship. A little later this morning, we will answer the really important question. Is, am I too old to have a song for him? Like the legend of Greeny and and Mark Sanchez was that I had the song for Mark all those years. The question is, am I now too old to have a song? Is it just kind of creepy? For me to have a song about how much I love the Jets starting quarterback. If not, we can start figuring out what it's going to be. Because through one performance, I absolutely love him. So, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. That's five rookies. That's five takes from me here this morning. Let me throw it around the hashtag crew and see what jumped out to you guys. Your number one observation on anything you saw in week one of the NFL preseason. It does not have to involve rookies. It does not have to involve quarterbacks. Mr. Hembo, I will start with you. What would jump out to you in the first week of the preseason? The taunting initiative that the NFL is going on here, I think is quite stupid, to be honest. And you're talking to an old school guy. I don't like when people flip their bats or do anything. But my question to the NFL is, who, who wants this? Who wants taunting to be more penalized? Who wants more taunting calls? And if the answer is not a majority of our fans, then you shouldn't do it. It doesn't make any sense in the world to me. The flag they threw on the Colts running back, whose name is Benny LeMay, who basically carried 10 guys 15 yards, got up, looked back, and, and said something. You can't hear what he says, but he just sort of looks back and is like, yeah, I got you, and then he turns around immediately. That's not, I don't want to live in a world where that's taunting. That is not taunting. That was enthusiasm. That was a mildly enthusiastic reaction to an extraordinary play. I thoroughly agree with you. I do not want to live in a world where they're going to throw a penalty for that. God help us if a call like that winds up deciding a game week one. That, that is a world we do not want to live in. Uh, let me see who else is here from the hashtag crew this morning. I've not had a chance to say hello. Nuno, are we here this morning? Of course. All right, Nuno, what was your biggest takeaway from week one of the preseason? Ian Book will be the starter midway through the year for the Saints. <laughs> you were that underwhelmed with what you otherwise saw? Oh, yes. that That's going to be a complete and utter mess in New Orleans without uh, Drew Brees, where we will be having or I will be bringing up the discussion of, hey, is Sean Payton overrated? Sean Payton, Mm. overrated. Ian Book from Notre Dame. Jameis threw a pick because what else is new? Taysom Hill threw a pick. I mean, he... I, that was not an, an auspicious beginning, I would agree with you. Now, is Bubba back today? Do we have hashtag Bubba today? Oh, yeah. Oh, Mr. Bubba, it's been a while since I've seen you. You were away for a week. I was away for a day. It is very sure. nice to see you. What was your number one takeaway from week one of the preseason? Well, my number one takeaway is if you don't think I'm going to be constantly saying Charlie Bleep Around and Harry High School don't work here anymore, you're out of your mind because Mike McCarthy is a motivational speaker. <laughs> Great speech from him. Charlie bleep around. He don't work here. Harry High School, get his bleep out the bleeping door. I like it, Mike. All right. Great speech. That is well done. Bubba is excited. We are excited to be back here on a busy Monday. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Plenty of time for your calls today. Plus the end of one of the greatest careers in sports history. 
and dreams of fields and fields of dreams. All that and more on the way. Next, this is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. The one, the only, Booger McFarlane live in 30 seconds on the Goodyear hotline as we go through all that we've seen so far on the NFL's preseason and what we expect it to mean. Then we got a bunch of baseball to get to today. We got one very valuable card. We got the end of one of the great careers of all time today. A whole lot is coming up here. But again, these 30 seconds, I will tell you about Rumble On. Do you have a motorcycle, ATV, or even a truck that's sitting in your garage you've been waiting to sell? With RumbleOn.com, you can easily turn your unused vehicle into cash in minutes. RumbleOn.com will give you a cash offer for your vehicle. Pick it up for free anytime, anywhere. Harley, Polaris, Can-Am, Yamaha. Even if you're just looking to trade in, Rumble On will pay cash no matter what the make or model. Visit RumbleOn.com today. Enter the promo code RADIO. You get a $300 increase on your cash offer. Fast bikes, faster cash. And here's a fast man, the one and only Booger McFarlane, back with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Booger. What's going on, Green Man? Are you tell me, big fella? What, what, so let's, let's get into the first week of preseason here because let, let's start with the obvious question here. I'll, I'll give you a, a three-part question. Having watched Zach Wilson's first performance as the quarterback of the Jets, is he A, legendary, B, the greatest you've ever seen, or C, just put him in the Hall of Fame right now? Which, which of those do you think <laughs> most applies to a quarterback whose first throw, literally the camera couldn't keep up with it? I'm not sure if you're watching when it happened, but he throws the ball, and there's so much zip on it, the camera didn't move fast enough to get to Corey Davis when he caught it. So uh, how enthusiastic are you, Booger, about uh, so far Zach Wilson? Yeah, Greeny, I'm very enthusiastic. I think if you go back and you listen to all the draft experts and you look at the pre-draft process about what they said about Zach Wilson, they talked about his ability to make the off-platform throws, the arm comparison to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, the mobility, uh, he can make any throw on the field. I think basically he was as advertised uh, in his first preseason game as he was in the draft process. And so I think the sky's the limit. That offense in New York fits him well because it's not going to make him a sitting duck in the pocket. They're going to allow him to move around. He'll be able to make some of those throws that make you go, wow, the sports center type throws. More importantly, I just want to see him execute the offense efficiently, get the ball out. I think something that I look for over the weekend, everybody's going to be amazed or everybody was amazed by the wild throws that a lot of these quarterbacks made. Kind of, they all had one or two here or there. I was just really um, surprised and, and, and really delighted to see some of the young quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. The ball came out of their hands really quick. Like they didn't hold the ball as if they didn't know what they were doing. And mm-hmm. to me, that's the most promise that I saw in all these guys. When the ball can come out of your hand quickly, 
that tells me you're processing information, you know what you're doing, and you're not afraid to pull the trigger. And so I, I, I thought that was a good thing. Me too. Booger with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. Let me just bounce a thought off you. I want to get to Justin Fields and more in a second, but... Just now, in, in, in the commercial break that just ended, I walked over to make myself some oatmeal, and I walked past the television, Booger, and your friend and mine, there is a, there is a the first take is on ESPN TV right now, and it says on the screen, Max Kellerman says, this rookie class could be the best quarterback class of all time. Now, obviously, that's, you know, it's a little early, but generally speaking, I think that and I didn't hear a word of it. I have no idea what he said or what his reasoning was behind that take. I literally am making oatmeal and reading a sentence on the television screen. But Booger, that to me is what it is. We know these guys have talent, but they come into the NFL so much more ready now than they used to, all of them. And if you watch them, for the most part, they seem to have a command of what they are doing and they walk in kind of ready. What did you think as far as Max saying, might maybe, I'm going to hesitate to even ask you this question because it seems so outlandish, but how about them possibly being one of the great quarterback classes of all time? Well, the potential is there. And, and, and I, too, have not seen what or heard what Max is saying. But I think what you look at is, uh, unlike years ago, Green, all these situations now, the, the, the organizations are tailoring the offense and the structure of their program to these quarterbacks. You know, back in the day when Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning were coming in, early on, it was, hey, we're going to do it our way, and these quarterbacks have to fit in. Well, that's changed now. These offenses are going to be tailor-made to all these quarterbacks. And if you look at them, like all these guys are in really good position. Matt Jones with Josh McDaniel. So now Josh goes back to that Tom Brady offense. We know Matt, uh, the ball came out of his hands so fast. He looks so in rhythm. Uh, he even ran a two-minute drill slash hurry up, and rookie quarterbacks normally don't do that. You look at Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer got off the couch and got out of retirement and dusted off the whistle to come back and coach Trevor Lawrence, and I can go on and on. Like, these organizations are basically saying, this is our quarterback, now let's build everything around this guy and what we do. So, Greeny, when it's all said and done, they have the potential. All of them can be successful. And if they all are just successful, I'm not saying that they're all going to be Hall of Famers, but when's the last time you had a quarterback class that was, that was comprised of four or five quarterbacks where you can all say, in three to five years, all those guys will be top 25 quarterbacks. So I'm not saying they're Hall of Famers, but they're just all our successful franchise quarterbacks. Wouldn't you kind of have to say this may be the best quarterback class ever based on that? It's and so I think Matt's may be on to something, but we're so far uh, uh, down the road from that right now. It's just good to see that these guys are being put in a position to be successful. I'm with that. But look, we are we are professional overreactors. That's what we do for a living. So I'm all in <laughs> on doing it. Um, you know, there have been classes that have produced three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. The 83 class produced three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. The, the Eli Ben class is going to have three Hall of Fame. What, 04, whatever. That's going to have three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But as far as all of them panning out, that generally never happens as far as having this Correct. many quarterbacks in round one and all of them panning out. So let's go on to the next one. Greeny and Booger McFarland. My friends in Chicago were losing their minds over Justin Fields. What did you think? I thought Justin Fields was as advertised like a rookie. Uh, I, I think we, we saw him make some of the improvisational plays, getting out of the pocket. And, you know, I, I was listening to your show this morning, get up. And you talked about him getting up to 20 miles an hour. Like, we knew he was fast. He ran 4-4, Greeny. So mm-hmm. getting, getting up to 20 miles an hour is really not a surprise. Uh, he did take a few sacks. Uh, that typical of a rookie quarterback means you're holding the football. 
But if you're Chicago and you're everybody in Chicago, you make sure you tell Stace I said this, because I know Stace was one of the ones going mm-hmm. crazy. Why don't they just go ahead and play Justin Fields? Like, there is really no downside to putting him on the field based on what I saw. The game wasn't too fast. As a matter of fact, he said the game was slow. Be careful what you wish for a young fella that's coming week one if you do start week one of the season. But I think he is he is ready. And, and if you look at the maturation curve of where a guy should be his rookie year to play, I think he's there. The rest of the stuff he's going to learn through preseason is going to be minimal. He won't take the next step until week one or whenever he starts a game because that's when the game will start to move at warp speed. I thought Fields, though, of, of all the rookie quarterbacks that we – that we broke down pre-draft and said what they could be or what they should be, I thought Fields kind of um, kind of overperformed because we thought he was going to be a little hesitant. We thought he was going to be maybe the fifth quarterback. We were going through that whole process. He may have looked the best out of them all, and that's saying something because they all look good. I, I think that's exactly right. The, the, the level of enthusiasm, I would describe it as extremely high. I, I'm not the only one overreacting today, that is for sure. Booger, when are you coming up here? Uh, greetings soon. Uh, I think we have a Monday night countdown on Friday, so uh, I will be in the area this weekend, my friend. Well, that, that is an interesting philosophical question. If it's done on a Friday, can it really be a Monday night countdown? How, how, that, that, I do like that question. If it's a Friday night, but you're doing Monday night countdown, like what, 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 what do we think of that, Booger? Well, for branding purposes yeah. and for money purposes, right. uh, I don't care what day it's on. I think they're still going to call it Monday Night Countdown. <laughs> but, uh, you know, That's typically true. I would agree with you. It's, right. it's going to be Friday Night Countdown, but I, I don't think the money people are going to enjoy that. I like that. No, you're right. The Monday Night Countdown, uh, Monday is, is merely implied. It's not a necessity. <laughs> I like it. very. All right, we'll see you up here, big fella. Thank you, Booger. Anytime. What's up, Himbo? What's up, buddy? We'll see you Friday or Monday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Later. Uh, the Later, great buddy. Booger McFarlane with us here on ESPN Radio on a really busy day. You know, airlines, restaurants, and more have been ramping up their hiring. Who do they turn to? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can easily invite your top choices to apply. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. I'm ready to go right now. Green Light, green light. with Greeny. All right, a lot of football to start today, but it's a very busy little moment in the baseball season, so I'll give Hembo the green light. Give me the most important things baseball fans need to know right now. Hembo, go. Greeny, I'll start with Fernando Tatis Jr. He came off the injured list yesterday, missing two weeks with that shoulder injury that keeps nagging him this season. He hit two home runs in his first game back, and he played the outfield for literally the first time in his professional career, just inserted him into the outfield in the middle of a big league season. There are very few players, obviously, walking on the face of planet Earth that could do that. But the note that I like most as it relates to Fernando Tatis Greeny is that right now, despite missing 32 games this season, he leads the National League in home runs, leads the National League in stolen bases. The last player to lead either league in those two statistics was 1932. It was Chuck Klein of the Phillies. No one's done it since then. And Fernando Tatis, despite missing like a quarter of the season, is on pace to do it. Let's make sure we say that again. What you're saying is no one has led the league in both of those statistics at the same time. In the same season. Home runs and steals. And he's doing that despite having missed 32 games. He, he is, and I'm not a scout. I'm just someone who's watched the game my whole life. When you watch him play, you think to yourself, that might be the most obviously talented player I've ever seen in my entire life. I remember when Alex came up, Mm. and and I remember having that thought about Alex. 
um, Rodriguez, of course, A-Rod, he, he, when he first came up, he was like 18 years old. And you watched him play shortstop and you thought to yourself, there's just something different going on. Tatis has that kind of quality. There's just something. The second he does anything, you think to yourself, he just doesn't look like anybody else. He's does. different. He, he, he reminds me more of Griffey, actually, though, though he plays shortstop yeah. with the, the movements, how smooth he is, how natural he is, how athletic he is, how there has been no learning curve at all. He's just immediately been amongst the best players in baseball. And the fact that they can move him from shortstop to the outfield midseason just shows you that he's a ridiculous athlete. He's going to need surgery on that shoulder, though, right? Like he, that, yeah. he can't keep getting hurt with this thing no he can't that's why they had to move him off you know out of the middle of the diamond just to try and preserve him for the rest of the season but he comes back he switches the way that he finishes he hits two home runs yesterday he's unbelievable all right that's where it begins what's next well chris sale greeny for the red sox was really really sharp in his return on saturday that's super important because i think he might be the most important player the last you know two months or so of the baseball season because they're gonna have to hold off the red hot yankees but he struck out eight guys in five innings and when you talk to red sox people why didn't you do anything at the trade deadline the most common answer was because we have Chris Sale coming back, and Chris Sale is a Hall of Fame pitcher. If he pitches anything like this the rest of the way, those guys have a good chance to make the playoffs. All right, so that would be the Red Sox, and you mentioned the Yankees. They continue to be hot. What do you think? Yeah, they're as hot as can be. They've won six series in a row. They own the best record in the American League since the All-Star break. They own the best record in the American League since the trade deadline, and it's really been on the back of the pitching. It's been on the back of the pitching despite the fact that Garrett Cole has been out. Garrett Cole returns off the COVID list tonight. He's going to start against the Angels. That's the most encouraging thing for me because we like to say this offense is likely to get it going. It's starting to move in that direction, but it's been the pitching lately, and that's a really good sign for Yankees fans. Everything is starting to come up Yankees, right? Like it, it, all the things with everything that has gone wrong, and they've had a, a million brutal things go wrong, and they've had one horrible loss after another this year, including most recently the loss in the field of Thursday night. game, which was just <laughs> un- unimaginable. The number of punches that team has taken, and so they sit there right now as, as we wake up this morning, five and a half games out of the division. People keep talking about the wild card. The Yankees are five and a half games out of the division. It's August 6th. Well, what is it today? August 16th. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen crazier things than that happen. No doubt. And right now they're playing better than any other team in the American League. The question is, can you clear five and a half games playing that tough schedule? My money would be on no, but they're absolutely a front runner for the wild card, even though the Red Sox and the A's right now ahead of them are both playing good baseball. All right. And so that's your weekend look here. Your little green light brought to you by Samsung Galaxy. Get ready for the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G and Z Fold 3 5G. Pre-order now at Samsung.com. Meanwhile, I'm sorry, what? What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? So our goal on this program is not to just tell you what happened, but to tell you why it happened. So you may have heard in the Sports Center that came on as we were beginning this hour, and if not, maybe you've seen it on Twitter. A Honus Wagner baseball card has sold for over $6 million. It is now by a wide margin the most valuable card of all time. It tops a 1952 Mickey Mantle card that sold for $5.2 million in March, a record later matched by a LeBron James autographed rookie card in April. So those were $5.2 million. This was $6.06 million for a very rare Honus Wagner card. So you may hear that and you may think, huh, that's reasonably interesting, but I don't really care how much a baseball card went for, that's where we take it a step farther. 
We're going to tell you why this baseball card was so incredibly valuable. Hembo. Well, Greeny, in about 110 years ago or so, tobacco companies started making baseball cards. That's where it all started. The T206 in the name of the card is for tobacco. The American Tobacco Company used baseball players to promote their product as a way to sell tobacco and such. And at that time, Honus Wagner was the most popular player in the National League, except for the fact that he did not let them use his likeness in the tobacco um, packs because he didn't condone it. He used himself but was a role model and considered himself such and so didn't want kids associating him with tobacco. So a few of those, you know, his face in the tobacco uh, set got in circulation. But so, so, you know, that's why it's so incredibly rare. But before they, you know, made the entire pack, they had to cease and desist because he said no. He said no. So that is why there are so few uh, Honus Wagner cards of this kind, because he did not want his likeness associated with tobacco. So that, again, the card is a T206 Honus Wagner card. The T stands for tobacco. And Honus Wagner did not want his name or likeness, his name, image, and likeness, to use a modern phrase, <laughs> associated with tobacco. And that's why that card is so rare. And that's why someone decided it was worth six point. Oh, six million dollars. And I, I, I know this is a ridiculously cliched thing to say, but I had so freaking many cards when I was a kid. Were you a card kid growing up? I was, and I still have them. Nuno, were you a card kid? Not really. No, I mean, I, 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 Bubba, did you collect cards? Oh, I, I oh had yeah. football cards. I had a lot. I didn't have any good ones, but I had, I had a lot of them. But see, you didn't know at the time what the good ones were. Mm-hmm. Like, I, mean, I, I still would, have them, but yeah. What I remember was when we would go grocery shopping, my parents would go grocery shopping. And I, in order to keep me from getting too, you know, rambunctious, I, they would allow me to go over to the area where they sold. The cards, they sold uh, football ch- cards. I liked football cards mm. better than baseball cards. Huh. I guess I liked football better than baseball. So I liked the football cards. And in those days, they would sell them in packages where you could see what the front one was. So I would spend a lot of time analyzing which pack I wanted to buy based upon who was on the front. Like if Ken Stabler was on the front, I was liable to buy that mm. one. There was never a jet on the front. So there's no, you don't bother asking me if a jet was on the front. There were very few times, you know, when the front of the, ba- of the football cards would have been Lance Mel. That's not a great sales tool. And I loved Lance. He was a great player. But that's, you know what I'm saying. So like Ken Stabler, I liked, I would pick out the card based on that. Anyway, the long and short of it is. I had a million of these, and I have no earthly idea where they are. None. Zero. None. Now, I have no idea what condition they'd be in, huh. but maybe I have something that's worth $6.06 million, or at least maybe I have something that's worth, I don't know, 50 bucks. That'd be good to know. <laughs> like, you have no idea. They just disappeared. I don't know where how, they are. How many times have, have, your, have your parents moved since, you know? Zero. Zero times. They did have one house burned down. Okay. Well, we that, had a house. Is that your that, answer? We had a house. Uh, my guess is that all of my cards burnt. They had, we had a we had a country house in the Poconos okay. that burnt to the ground, and my guess is the cards were in that because mm. I have not seen them in since I was well, a kid. That's ashamed. But that would be worth a whole lot of money. All right, we're just getting rolling here. This is Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Coming up, I will tell you what Central Park, Rucker Park, and Cameron Indoor Stadium should have in common sooner rather than later. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is Greeny, and for the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Plenty of time for your phone calls a little later today. But I will say this. I wasn't here on Friday. And in the world in which we live, things that happened on Thursday suddenly feel as though they were a very long time ago. But I did not want to let today go by without making at least a quick comment on how much I loved the Field of Dreams game on Thursday night. I know it was a resounding success. I know the TV audience was huge. I know all of that. But for some things, I don't even need those metrics to know it was a success. What is the definition of a success? If you attempt something and you quite obviously accomplish it, then it was a success. They tried to create something that felt unique and different and sentimental and special, and they did exactly that. It was an event in the middle of a season that has thousands and thousands of games where it's almost impossible to make one stand out to that degree. This one delivered. And the fact that it had an incredibly dramatic narrative arc, the game itself turned out to be an unbelievable game, just added to it. But I thought it was absolutely magnificent. Let me go around the horn real quickly on your thoughts. Hembo, thumbs up or down for the Field of Dreams game? Thumbs up. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, like the, the, obviously, the game delivered in such a way that made it super special. But for me, it was more romantic. It was very familiar because I, like so many of you listening, grew up playing baseball on the farm. And it just, so when they're, when, when they, when they immerse, farm. You grew up on <laughs> a farm? You. No, my, my mother grew up on a farm in Ohio. So every summer. I would visit my cousins, and we would play baseball. On a farm? On a farm. What kind of farm? A, a dairy farm. Like, okay. like, like Buster only grew up on. Right. But like, like when, the, when the ball cleared the corn, it was a home run, and when the ball rolled into the corn, it was a double. There was corn? There was corn. Boy, we really have had very different lives. We sure have. But uh, what I'm saying is— You know where I grew up playing baseball? Where is that? On the corner of Houston and Mercer. Any corn there? No, there was no corn. There was a little dirt field. There was no grass, but there was a dirt field with bases, and we played baseball. So more like Sandlot and less like Field of Dreams. Yeah, much more. So either way, it felt very familiar and romantic to me for, to see those guys walk out of the corn and just— that's how so many of us grew up playing baseball. And for me, like that really, it really touched me. It really hit home. Bubba, thumbs up or down. And, and for many of you, you may not be aware of this, but Bubba, prior to his career in broadcasting, uh, Bubba actually worked in, in the front office of multiple minor league baseball teams, primarily in the area of like a Bill Veck-esque kind of way of trying to gain uh, excitement and enthusiasm, putting together promotions and stuff. So with that as your background, Bubba, how did you feel this one turned out? I would definitely give it two thumbs up. It was enjoyable. Watched uh, most of the game, which uh, I can't say I do much of if it's not a Mets game. So I thought mm-hmm. it was awesome. I enjoyed it. It was a, it was just a great scene, and uh, looking forward to them going back. 
All right, so that's three thumbs up. Nuno, last vote. Yes or yay or negative. Nuno's a pretty negative, yeah. cynical <laughs> fellow, so I'd be surprised if you liked it as much as everybody else. What did you find wrong with it? Well, the way the game ended. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it, it was – MLB got everything – that night was just perfect for them, which I don't think they can ever duplicate. Duplicate, And especially if, like, next year you give me Rockies Rangers there. Like, that's not happening. I'm just fired up about your list, Greeny. Yeah. And there's one specific one that's just firing me up. Today. Okay, well then let's All do right. it then, because this has inspired in me today a green list. Since that was such a success, playing a baseball game in Dyerville, Iowa, amidst the field of dreams, I've got five other places they should consider holding sporting events. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Today's green list, my top five, is voted on exclusively by me, the world's foremost authority on all matters, places I'd like to see sporting events held. Number five. Number five, I want to see an NBA game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. You know, with Duke, where everyone's standing in the 7,000 people and they're basically right on the court, I want to see an NBA game played there. Nuno, is that the one you're excited about? That's fine. Let's, but that's not the one you had in mind. Nope. Okay. Well, I'm mm. I, now I'm intrigued to see which one it is that tickled his fancy. Oh, he is not happy about it when we get there. Next, number four. Uh, number four. I want to see the Jets play the Giants in Central Park. Just set up a field in the middle of Central Park like they did for Simon and Garfunkel once upon a time. Like it or don't like it, Nuno. Love it. Let's do it. All right. Jets, right. Giants, and Central Park. Two so two. far, so good. Number three. Number three. You know the hockey they do the Winter Classic. Do it in Lake Placid. Go back and play where they played the Miracle on Ice game in 1980. I want to see a, a winter classic in Lake Placid, New York. Nuno, thumbs up or thumbs down? That is beautiful. Okay, so wow. far so good. Next. Number two. I want to see a boxing match. I want to see a fight at the top of the steps at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, like the, where the Rocky statue is, where Rocky legendarily ran up those stairs. I want to see the fighters run up the steps to enter the ring. <laughs> Nuno, you like it or no? <laughs> This is so asinine. Like, why would we have a boxing match on the top of the steps next to a statue of a fictional character? This speaks volumes to just the disaster that Philly is, that we would do something like that there. I want to make sure you are aware that Field of Dreams was also a movie. Yes, but that's... But, and that, and that the members Hembo, of the 1919 Hembo played, White Sox... Hembo grew up playing baseball on uh, a, you know, on the farm. Right. Did, Hem, did Hembo, did you end up box... Were you boxing at the art museum? It's a great movie. <laughs> it all, is we, a we great movie. We all grew up movie. boxing in front of the art museum. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is an, here, comes, here comes a hot take. Rocky is a better movie than Field of Dreams. The original Rocky is a better movie than Field of Dreams, and that is another reason why. I will continue debating this, but since it's a top five list, let me give you my number one. Number one. Which I think would be unbelievable. They should play an NBA game at Rucker Park. Play an NBA game at Rucker Park, which is like, I I know that that's not where basketball was born, but it's where basketball has been raised. They should play an NBA game at Rucker Park. We'll come back and kick these around as we continue. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Plus. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.